Hello and welcome to B2B Better, a podcast for the B2B marketer looking to be better than boring. My name's Jason. I'm a senior director of marketing for a B2B tech company over here in the UK. If you're a new listener to the podcast, welcome. And if this isn't your first rodeo, welcome back. So 87% of B2B marketers say that email is one of their top free organic distribution channels. Why? Well, it's about trust. You know, like anyone who has done an improv class and fallen backwards off a table into the waiting arms of eight people in Lycra, your customer is trusting you to deliver them value directly into their most personal of digital spaces, their inbox. If the company-client relationship was like the beginning of a romantic one, getting a person to subscribe to your newsletter is like taking them home for a limoncello digestivo after a three-course meal and a theatre show. There could be something special here, but it's up to you to prove it. In this episode of B2B Better, I sat down with Sean Blander, Director of Content at Crossbeam, which is a platform that finds overlapping customers and prospects with your partners while keeping the rest of your data private and secure. We spoke about how he and his team built their email distribution list to 10,000 subscribers, almost from a standing start, with the help of just four pieces of hero content. He walked me through step-by-step how they created the assets from scratch, distributed them to their growing audience, equipped Crossbeam's commercial team with what they needed to go out and sell the content on the behalf of the marketing team, and how these leads were then nurtured once they were in the funnel. If you're looking for inspiration on how to grow your email distribution list, this episode is a must-listen. Here we go. Sean Blander, Director of Content at Crossbeam. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing wonderful. It's just like that crisp fall weather in the Northeast in the States. Perfect time of year. Thanks very much for joining us on B2B Better today. Of course. Thank you for having me. So tell me, what's your role at Crossbeam? My role is I am the uh, Director of Content, and that means I helm a team of, we're now up to three uh, people, and we're mostly responsible for kind of the brain and community and top of funnel uh, content for Crossbeam. What does Crossbeam do? Uh, Crossbeam, uh, we call ourselves a partner ecosystem platform. So what that means is when two companies want to partner and uh, share customer lists or opportunity lists, back in the back in the before times, they had to uh, throw spreadsheets over the wire, and that's very unsafe. And also, you're giving away all your data to someone, and you don't know what they're going to do with it. Crossbeam kind of acts as a data escrow service where uh, both companies connect to us, and we only surface the overlapping information. So people use us to uh, do account mapping to surface new leads from their partner ecosystem and also to vet new partnerships, right? Like if I have to decide if I'm going to do an integration with someone, well, we want to make sure we have a lot of customers in common first so we don't waste our time. Got it. And who is using the platform and importantly, buying the platform? So we have a few personas, but they usually broadly split out to uh, people that work in partnerships, biz dev, and sales. Uh, the kind of main uh, advocate and champion is often a head of partnerships, VP of partnerships, VP of channel, uh, roles like that. And that is who we write for right now, uh, primarily. So the reason we're talking today is uh, I heard you speak at Reach G2, uh, the online event hosted by the Software Review Marketplace a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And you gave a great uh, short tactical presentation on how you built uh, with your team Crossbeam's email distribution list to 10,000 subscribers almost from a standing start. Why don't you just give us again a recap of the overview of that campaign on how you reached 10,000 subscribers? You know, Where did you start? What did you do? And uh, what were the results? Uh, sure. So, I mean, I tried to make it as short and tactical as possible because as we all attend 9,000 online events, we don't need to look at any more screens than we need to, right? Um, But uh, the kind of summary of it was there were four gated content campaigns that we ran that added up to this 10,000 number. And broadly, they were uh, an audience survey, right, or or community survey. So serving this 
group of partnership professionals about everything from salary to how they prefer to report to one another. Um, and then the second campaign was what we called the partner playbook, where after interviewing dozens and dozens of people in this space, I kind of distilled down a bunch of tactical things they told me and presented it uh, as a single document. And then uh, the third thing we did was called the, um, the how to buy a partner ecosystem playbook. So we are the first kind of tool of our, of our, of our type. And a lot of people have n- no idea what the criteria are, but also uh, people in the partnership space often don't have a lot of tools made for them. So they've never purchased software and advocated for that. So we made a, a piece of collateral for them, which doubled as sales enablement. And then the fourth thing is what we call the KPI report, where I surveyed uh, a bunch of people in our audience about their various KPIs, and we're putting that together into uh, a piece of gated content or you know something else. I'm still actually kind of uh, tinkering with it right now. What was the the timeline for the campaign? I mean, did you kind of approach uh, each of the four pieces individually as micro campaigns? Were was it always the plan that you were going to have the four pieces as part of something bigger? What, what did that look like? So one thing. I, I point I made in the presentation, which I think is that kind of the foundational element of any any marketing or any audience building, which is know your audience and know who they are and what their pain points are. And it started out with a lot of just informational interviews. Um, in my past life, I covered and talked to and wrote things for designers, not people in the biz dev profession, very, very different uh, personas. And I spent just a lot of time just interviewing and just asking them, you know, how they felt about their career and how they got here and what did they think about the space. Um, and one thing became clear is everyone felt kind of in the wild, wild west, kind of afloat. They didn't have a lot of guidance, a lot of best practices. Uh, the terminology was all over the place. The job titles are all over the place. And, and there was like a, uh, a kind of craving for standardization, but we're also just a knowledge of what everyone else is up to. Um, there's there's certainly communities out there, but there was still that kind of, you know, they wanted information. They wanted data. So the first thing that was obvious to me was this survey. We call it the state of the partner ecosystem. Um, we inter- we put out a survey a type form and had 100, I believe 135 ended up taking it um, and asked a pretty exhaustive list of questions. I think we gave it was 65 questions. And that we started with that not only because they were telling me that they wanted to know that stuff, but the things we would learn from that and the pain points we would learn for that could inform future content. So, you know, probably the next four months of blog posts after we did that were you could tie back to some sort of uh, learning from that report. So that's where we started. And then where you go from there, I think kind of forks out depending on your audience. So I want to dig into a little bit on the creation of, of the four assets. So sure. let's, let's start here. I mean, how did you conceive the idea for these four pieces of content? Was it based on, I mean, you mentioned the personas, was it based on uh, the analysis on your audience? Were you getting feedback from your commercial team? Like we're missing this, this sales enablement asset. Mm-hmm. Was it, you know, gut feeling? How, how did that work? How did you come up with the ideas? Well, I think if you are, you, you, you should lean on your sales team because they're out there actually talking to people. But if you're in-house as like the marketer or the content person, um, you, you need to rely on your expertise a little bit and, and kind of do that legwork yourself. So I always view it as a almost journalistic process, like I'm reporting. And I just try to have as many conversations as I humanly can. Um, and one of, one of the, uh, the kind of upshots of us all working from home and being Zoom is you can get a lot of people in line at, in a row to talk to them. And I must have had I don't know, 20 to 30 conversations with not even people who are our customers, just people in the space, people at the title I was looking for on LinkedIn, um, people who had interfaced with our company, but maybe hadn't purchased uh, just a- anyone adjacent to it. And I would just ask them, you know, what are they seeing? Where are they going? What do they struggle with? What are their pain points? And 
from that, I got some of the questions. So, for example, someone said, um, I don't know if I'm underpaid or overpaid. Like, I have literally no idea. Right. So, OK, I should ask about salary. Or someone said, uh, you know, I, I, I don't I'm struggling reporting my value to my executives and I'm not sure if it's a me problem or not. Right. So we asked that question. Just all those like, am I alone kind of feelings you get from the audience are, are content. Right. Because. I think it's a good thing to view yourself as your audience is dispatching you to like research and figure things out for them. So ask them what they would do if they had you like working for them and you kind of do work for them. And that's kind of how it started. So I don't think you, you could be as prescriptive as, oh, we should do this survey and we should do this KPI report and we should do this playbook. But I think you should start with, start with process now with outcome. And the process should be talk to as many people as humanly possible and that sometimes relat- that will depend on you communicating to your leadership and your executives that this stuff's going to take some time, but I promise you it'll be worth it. Everything I do will be evergreen and it will just drive traffic and drive results for a long time. So you mentioned that you spoke to a bunch of people, uh, clients included, but also people that weren't clients, just people that existed in your space. Yeah. What, what did your process look like in actually reaching out and engaging in a dialogue with them? Was it just kind of an, an email, a LinkedIn message? You know, How did you actually get them on the phone and talking? It was kind of like a messy, multi-pronged approach. Uh, there was definitely some cold email. Um, but one thing I did is for the sales team, I kind of, it, it kind of gave them a soft place to land if the sale wasn't going so well for whatever reason. It's like, hey, maybe you don't want to buy Crossbeam right now, but you're in the space, like, would you like to talk to our head of content who is putting some stuff together, right? So I asked them to communicate. I asked my, the customer success managers. I asked uh, our investors to send to their portfolio companies that I'm looking to, to speak with people. Uh, my CEO, when he was speaking at events, would communicate this. And I just had a lot of advocates out there in their network saying, this guy wants to talk to you. And I usually would arm them with some sort of script and a Calendly link. Like, this is Sean, this is what he's looking for. Uh, he may turn this into a piece of content that will be sent to X people. He may not, um, but if you're interested in just kind of getting to know him and, and 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 having him pick your brain about the space and, and what you know, um, here you go. And that, that's, that was the genesis and that's how it started. I mean, it sounds like there was a great effort on your part at the beginning uh, internally on aligning with the stakeholders across your business, you know, your leadership team, your commercial team, you know, telling them, look, we're doing this, right? You know, this is something that can drive real value for you, you know, if not immediately later down the line in terms of in terms of warm leads um, that are going to come in over the long term. And here are the tools that you need to go out and get me what I need, right? So, you know, was that like a was that like an all hands meeting? Was it, you know, done one on one with people? How did you get everyone, you know, behind you uh, on this campaign? I think it depends on your company's size, but also, right, the act of you being hired or them bringing you in or promoting you, or whatever, however you enter that role, is an admission that this thing's important, right? Right. So yeah. you you have a mandate. You have a mandate to produce the best stuff you can. That's why the, the convincing, yes, you have to convince people to use their time, but to convince them of the strategy of it, I mean, that was done by the act of hiring you, ideally. I know the world doesn't always work out so so smoothly and so perfectly, um, but I did everything one-on-one. I don't think there was any announcement. I don't know. I just, I just lied. Uh, yeah, we had an all hands and I walked people through the content strategy and why it was important. Um, you know, I laid out the funnel and I said, you know, community and content is a moat and that can also, you know, serve warm leads to the sales team. We can do a lot of product research as a result. Uh, imagine sitting down at a meeting and not having to explain what Crossbeam is because they've read our content, right? Which is, and the more that happens, the, the benefits kind of compound as well. And just framing to every single department what's in it for them and then making it 
easy for them to say yes to you when you need them to reach out to someone. So some of that's pre-writing the templates. Some of that is saying, hey, you could sit on the call uh, and ask a, a question or two if, you, if you'd like and you want some context. Uh, I'll share the recording internally if, 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 I, if something comes up. Um, because your commercial team are on the ground more than you could ever be. And having a very positive, bi-directional communication relationship with them is incredibly crucial for your long-term success. And it's something I try to work on every day. So I want to dig a little bit into the state of the partner ecosystem survey because sure. it's, it reminds me a lot of a campaign that I ran uh, a year ago um, where we pulled together a, a similar survey, kind of state of the industry kind of thing. And uh, it's, a great, it's a great asset to have, right? Yeah. Because not only is it something that you can kind of put behind a lead gen wall and it's something that, you know, people want to download so that they can educate themselves. And, you know, you can also use it for, the, for press purposes. Uh, I've seen organizations that, you know, quarterly, on the dot, they will produce the same report just with updated data. And they've been doing it for such a long period of time that it's almost now an expectation from the media that at the beginning of each quarter, they will get that in their inbox. And, you know, that's a day's coverage for them. So, you know, really, really powerful when done right. I'm curious, how did you, you, you touched on this a little bit earlier, how did you pull together the answers for the State of the Partner ecosystem survey? Was it a survey? Did you use a tool like SurveyMonkey? Uh, did you leverage Crossbeam's network? You mentioned you ran interviews. You know, was it a combination of all of the above? How did you get that data? We used Typeform, and it was a mix of kind of organic conversations and outreach and paid. We did put some paid LinkedIn um, buying behind it, and especially because not many people are writing for our target audience right now, a target reader. Um, they were not easily reached, but they, they, we were confident that we would reach a fair number of people. Um, I don't know the exact split between what came organic or paid, but you know, it was our email newsletter. It was, it was organic social, it was paid social. And then, you know, as you're doing these like research conversations at the end, sometimes I would say, Hey, I know you said you would want to know X. That's actually something we're trying to figure out. Um, would you mind taking this, this survey? It takes, you know, seven minutes. And one thing I did is I promised everyone who took the survey would get the results days before we made them public. And then when we actually released it, I would, I think we sent the report and we gave it everyone 48 hours. And we said, ask us any questions. Uh, we're here. Like, this is my email. I like emailed them like on a BCC, like just reply and I will respond. Um, some people had questions. Some people found typos, very useful. Um, but very some useful. People, very useful. Uh, and then, especially when you're a content team of one and you can't possibly read everything <laughs> so closely. Um, but uh, and then we had a, a webinar, which I'm not, uh, I have mixed feelings about webinars, but we kind of like unveiled it. And that was a lot of our built-in audience that attended. And then also told their like coworkers, like, hey, check, like, check this out. We can, we can ask them questions together live right mm. on this webinar. Um, and that was effective because it kind of, you know, created a, I hate this phrase, but like a marketing moment. But also it's us being as useful as possible to our audience and our readers. So that's how that's how we rolled it out. But your question was like, how, how do you get the dang people to take mm. it? And I think, especially when you're a small team, all your efforts have to be, you know, have have many goals. So me doing the research call also could be the survey, like me selling you on doing the survey. Um, me having my email newsletter about our latest article should also CTA to like taking the survey. Yeah. Um, I. I try to not get stuck in tactic hell and try to roll out like nine campaigns at one time and just only be try to do two or three things at a given moment for this reason. Was there in the state of the industry report uh, any attributable quotes to anyone who'd taken the survey? So someone who put their name and their company name to what they were saying? So one thing we did is we said, we're not, this is totally anonymous. You know, we're asking people to share pretty personal things like how they feel about their management and in some cases their salary range. 
and so we, we, we said we will not share. But what we did have a box and at the check at the end said, if if you'd like uh, or if you're willing to, we'd love to reach out to you and maybe ask you additional questions or um, interview you to be featured publicly. Like, are you willing to at least entertain that? And I, I would say most probably like 65, 70 percent check the yes, reach back out to me. And that served incredibly useful for, you know, future content efforts. Like, you know, as we wrote things based on the report, I would email everyone that checked that box and say, hey, you said you would talk about the thing we are writing about um, what college degree you had and you ended up in this space. Like, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts. So that would end up in like the auxiliary surrounding content, but not in the actual report itself, because I think it's really important to uh, if you're going to get candor and honesty to promise uh, to 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 engender trust, and it's actually one of CrossMeet's, you know, values because we are this data escrow service. Escrow means trust. Trust is our business is one of our values. So it's really important to me that when we say your stuff, your 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 results will be not seen by anyone but you know, but but me. Um, that that's what happened. So I think uh, people who are listening to this podcast and are feeling inspired, you know, at the prospect of going out producing a report. Um, something that they can really put a lot of a lot of energy and time behind and see kind of tangible results on the other side, uh, but maybe aren't feeling too comfortable in extracting the story from from the data, right? So you know, I've been in this situation before where I've run surveys and you know I've a, I've had a spreadsheet in front of me and you know it's difficult to know sometimes when you've got a lot of numbers on a screen. Like, where do I start? How do I pull that story out there? What would you say to those people? Pulling the story out your job. It's your job. Like if you are writing content, your job is to produce a compelling narrative and story based on the interviews you do, the data you find, and what your product does. I mean, it, it, it's your job. The, the way to maybe make it a little more apparent is, you know, not everyone is like an Excel wizard. I, I am not. I've relied on a Matt Nakosha, who's our head of growth here, who's a who's very good and very patient with me as I ask him a bunch of questions. <laughs> um, but you know, if you don't have someone as talented as as, as Matt or, or uh, tools like Typeform do the graphing for you. Um, and that can get you a long, long way. That plus learning how pivot tables work, you know, through through YouTube uh, subscriptions, that will get you a long, long way. And, and the other thing is when you're making the questions, like try to write the headline of what the result would be, right? So uh, when we are asking people, um, you know, what are, do they, do they struggle with getting management buy-in, right? No matter how that's answered, it's a, it's a story. So decide what the things are you want to discover. And that should all bubble back up to what your brand is and, and, and who your audience is. Yeah, I think that's really important and really interesting. You know, my background is um, I, I started my career as a journalist. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I would start with the data and I would pull the story out of the data, whatever story that was, negative or positive, you know, for whoever involved. When I moved on to the other side of the table and I became a marketer and I was having to create content that supported the story and the messaging of the organization I worked for, that's when I saw that flip, right? And if I was at the beginning of creating a piece of content or the beginning of creating a report, you know, I would almost write out the the, the results that I wanted to find, right, at the beginning of the yeah. whole process on a piece of paper. And then that in turn informs the, the survey that you run, the interview questions that you put, you know, to people. Um, and look, you know, sometimes sometimes the data will not support your findings, you know, and, and I, I have been called out before where- <laughs> They often won't. You know, I started up, <laughs> they, they won't, they often won't, right? And then you've got to find a way to make it work. But as you say, starting with that clear vision of here's where I want to get to, and then kind of almost, you know, working back from that, that's, that's the key to producing this kind of content, wouldn't you say? Well, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got is, um, you know, sometimes the, like, 
you need to ask a question to give the answer a place to fit, right? So it's not about predetermining the story you want to tell, but what are the questions? What are the, the, the things your audience is wondering? Um, a thing I ask at the end of every interview is, you know, if you could dispatch me to spend a week researching something about this space, what would you do? And a lot of that ends up being survey questions. Or another thing I'll ask people at the end of interviews is, um, what are people not talking about that they should be talking about when it comes to the space of this job? And from those two answers, I get a lot of good survey questions because, you know, someone might say, you know, we talk a big game about all oh, the future of ecosystems, but uh, I'm not seeing the results, right? So, okay, like that's, that's a bunch of questions I should ask my, my, my audience. So let's dig a little bit into the distribution of the content. I'm conscious we really kind of focused on the industry survey there, and you also produced three other pieces of great content. <laughs> you know, we want to get we want to get this done in well, in, in under half an well, hour. I, so I, I think I think it's about right. Like less, I'm happy to go into an individual campaign, but it's like having the framework for what kind of content you want to be producing in the future. And I think the survey is just another way of saying just talk to the people who you want to be your audience as much as possible, and and these things will surface. <laughs> Absolutely, preach. So let's talk a little bit about the distribution. Um, what does the the Crossbeam Martech stack look like in terms of getting your content in front of your audience? You know, are you using HubSpot? Where are you building your landing pages? Yep. You know, how, where's this content living? How are you getting it in front of people? Uh, the answer is HubSpot. Um, and HubSpot's one of our uh, in- investors as well. And we use them for uh, email, for CRM, for landing pages. Um, Everything except for the, what we call the marketing website, right? The the non-blog stuff, um, you know, pricing page and, and homepage and stuff like that. Um, we use them for everything. And one of the benefits is um, it's all connected, but also a single marketer can kind of do almost everything with a little bit of like elbow grease. Um, I've had to hire a few freelancers, but otherwise it's all, and, and we have a very, very, very talented designer who did all the uh, collateral. Um, his, name's, his name's Nick. And... Uh, did all the collateral, and if I need a landing page, I, I, I ping him as well, and it helps everything look cohesive, um, and uh, he really elevates the brand because um, HubSpot, you know, if you're not careful, you can end up with some like default templates and it doesn't look so hot. Um, so yeah, uh, HubSpot, HubSpot the whole way is the short answer. Okay, so HubSpot, that's where that's how we're we're distributing the content, and and how was the content packaged? And because uh, you mentioned kind of auxiliary content around the report itself, you know, how did you actually promote the fact that, hey, we've got these four great hero assets? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wh- where did people discover those? So probably the answer is through our email newsletter. So I, one thing I think um, is important is you have a lot of distribution channels at your disposal as a marketing person. And I think people try to spin them all at the same time. And I'm a big believer, pick one, pick two, forget the rest. So our Instagram page is kind of sad, actually, because <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time. Same with <laughs> Facebook. Um, but LinkedIn and email are a one, two that we focus a lot on. And especially email. I'm a big believer in, in email. It's the most intimate relationship you can have with your audience because you're being welcomed into their inbox. Um, so we debut everything via the email newsletter. Um, and often we get a good word of mouth kind of spread from that as people sharing it on social. Uh, we share it on LinkedIn. Our staff all shares it on LinkedIn. And then we run some paid um, and we do a lot of experimentation about the right way to talk about the asset for paid resets. And we keep a close eye on the, the cost per uh, uh, customer acquisition as a result of that. Um, that's another thing that, that uh, Matt Nikosha's team, uh, the, the same the same guy who's Excel spreadsheet wizard, uh, uh, heads up for us and does a great job. Um, that's the main stuff. And then we kind of spin it out to guest posts, right? So when you have proprietary information or learnings, uh, 
we, we ask people uh, if we can write for them. And then we've appeared on a few podcasts and then we host our own webinars occasionally if we feel like we have something particularly juicy. It's interesting that you, you, you say that newsletter is one of your primary channels because, you know, the, the, the point of this campaign, uh, it was, as I understand it, you know, to build the email uh, yeah. newsletter distribution list, right? Right. So you're creating this great hero content, you're distributing it to your audience, your owned audience. And it's like a self-fulfilling cycle because as more people sign up to it, then you've got, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, a bunch of other content waiting in the, waiting in the pipe to hit them with and continue to drive that value. And I think that th- right, if, if you're trying to be useful to your audience, which means I, I sometimes write things specifically because I want them to forward it to their boss or their AE, right. Or their whatever. So I, Try, we try to be an advocate on behalf of the people who are partner professionals to make the case for more resources or more trust or more, you know, more budget. And that helps us in a very like commercial way. Like, yes, then they have money to pay for crossbeam, but also like it just makes their lives better and empowers them. So the more things we can arm them with and then have them surface that with their peers, both internally and externally, the better. So that's why the email list works because it, we, we, we have to put up or shut up. Like we have to be valuable. We have to give them something of use. And if we are useful, that word of mouth, that kind of sharing that, you know, dark social sharing, right, of like Slack groups and, and other things, um, we'll, we'll take care of itself if, if it's good. If, you're, if you have the right audience kind of, it's like product market fit, but it's like insight audience fit. Uh, you'll see it. You'll see it in your numbers. It takes care of itself. So even though Crossbeam is a SaaS company and content generation and, and kind of inbound marketing, I'm sure is uh, a centerpiece of your marketing strategy, mm-hmm. we cannot discount the effectiveness of a commercial or sales team. So what are the process mm-hmm. of kind of edu- educating your sales team on the fact that this content was now available and here were the kind of main takeaways from it? You know, what did that process look like? How did you enable your commercial team to go out there and sell the content on your behalf? Uh, I, I followed their lead, honestly. Uh, one thing they told me is... This they, they discovered what I discovered, right? Which is this audience, this this community um, could really use some you know best practices or knowledge of what everyone else is doing. Um, do we have do we have anything on that? So one thing um, I, I worked with our, our, our VP of Enterprise uh, Sales Adam. He came to me and said, "Hey, can you just turn one of these resources into a deck?" He's like, you know, like any like I think in Google Docs and he thinks in decks, right? So sometimes they have to do a little <laughs> translation, but. Um, yeah, we, I worked with him and, and my designer, Nick, to uh, take it into a um, the partner playbook, which is the second campaign, not the survey, but the, the second one. Uh, we turned it into, I think it was like a 50-page deck, which they could copy and paste some best practices depending on who they're talking to. And, and then they that sales team now has that. And then they know where to access the PDF. They could just give it to someone straight away. Um, and in in, uh, in normal times, we, we would print a bunch out too and, and send it to or bring them to events and conferences. Okay, last question on the distribution then. Um, so uh, subscriber downloads the report, they get added to your marketing CRM. You know, yep. Talk us through a little bit about how you kind of continue to nurture those subscribers into leads once they were already uh, part of your audience. So this is something, you know, we're, we're still fairly young in this process. Uh, I've been here just over a year. Um, this is an area I'm turning my attention a lot recently, which is um, people sign up and we give them a... Uh, kind of marketing onboarding funnel and we say hey welcome welcome to the crossbeam welcome to the crossbeam community welcome to the crossbeam network um here's our best stuff like you know you might have missed the our most popular stuff here you go and then the next email i believe is something to the effect of 
we're not just this publication. We also have this product. You know, if you want to know more, book some time directly. And then the next three or four emails are some version of here's what the Crossbeam product is and here's some more deeper insights on uh, how to be a better partner professional. Um, and then once they get to the end of that, I believe they are then just in the weekly newsletter, which we send every Tuesday. Uh, that is the, the funnel they're in. And then we include, you know, CTAs and articles to the product um, regularly. The newsletter we use it to announce product uh, announcements or product positioning. So they are still reminded of the product if they choose to opt in and convert, um, especially because we have a very robust free tier. Uh, so we try to make as frictionless as possible. Um, but uh, that is probably the extent of how much they are like kind of encouraged to move down the funnel. Because one thing that I think can turn off someone is they're just there for the insights and they're they're smart people. If they, they know what your product does and they want it, they'll, they'll, they'll go for it. But if they just want to read the content and get the insights in the meantime, it's totally okay by us. So look, in your presentation, you talked a little bit about the community of people that you're trying to reach and addressing their pain points. And you know, you've talked about it on this, on this episode as well. Um, and that you said something really interesting. You said that you know, content marketing should think like product when it comes to addressing pain points. And that, and that really resonated with me. I mean, what's your advice on how marketing teams who maybe are somewhat removed from the sales process can get to grips with the pain points of their customers? It, dep- it depends on your internal dynamics, but the more you can actually, you know, talk to as many people as possible. But usually, you know, if you are lucky enough to have a product marketer on your team, like that person's gold to you because they are talking to the product team and they are talking to the end user and they are figuring out like how to connect the two. Uh, I would sit in as many meetings as possible who that, that person is in charge of distilling insights because uh, that is that is probably the key to unlocking in a big org when you know you're more stratified stratified. Um, but I would say don't don't uh, this may this may sound harsh but like you don't get a free pass. Like go talk to your sales team even if you're not part of it. It's your it's not their job to come to you. It's your job to go to them. Um, you know, sit in as a passive observer, ask to sit in on sales call, same with the customer success managers. Um, they are already actually doing a lot of the groundwork required to get to know the customer, um, help them. And also that helps you get to know, um, I've worked at jobs where we produce a bunch of marketing assets and sales goes, yeah, no one cares about this. This is not the way they think. So even though like the pages were going up um, and the audience was growing, it wasn't serving the business. It was serving us, the marketing team. You know, one of the things that I've said to uh, teams that I've managed in the past is kind of like this fly on the wall concept. You know, it takes nothing for you to sit in on phone calls or Zoom meetings or in-person meetings when they happen um, and, and just kind of be that passive observer that you, that you discussed. And you will get so much more value out of sitting in on an hour conversation between your commercial team and your customer than you will spending an entire day trawling the internet, you know, on LinkedIn, searching hashtags and just trying to find, find the, yeah, find the content. Talk to people, everywhere. talk to people, talk to people, right? Yeah, exactly. Talk to people. You know, one of the things that I think is often overlooked in B2B marketing, and it's something that you touched on in your presentation, is you know teaching your customers how to buy your product. And especially for companies like Crossbeam, where you're kind of almost inventing a new category of product, um, you know, it's so important that your customers know exactly what they're buying and importantly, how to buy it and how to implement it, obviously. You know, wh- why do you think this is such an effect? Why do you think this is such an important part of content marketing for businesses and particularly for Crossbeam? I mean, they, they have to buy it for you to stay employed, right? right? But the, but the I think it's important because the digital, I mean, this gets into like macro things, but if you work in SaaS, you've probably witnessed different software verticals and different job functions just get flipped to, to SaaS, right? It was like this, 
purchase software, and now it's the th- a subscription you pay for. And this is just happening with one job title after the other all across the board in every industry. And a lot of times, the industry it touches is completely new to the concept of paying for a SaaS product or advocating for a SaaS product, especially... Um, you know, you have these big, 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 big software clouds like Salesforce and Adobe and, 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 you know, HubSpot increasingly that do a bunch of things and sometimes they fracture out and all of a sudden, uh, you know, me as a marketer who could just rely on HubSpot to do everything, now I have to find my own tool, you know, to, to, to do something. Um, and if that person doesn't know how to buy you and it's not obvious how that works, I think you are doing yourself a disservice. So... And it's also a good piece of sales enablement or, or, or enablement for you know any part of your commercial team. When they meet with someone and they go, yeah, I, I like this. I want to advocate for it. But, you know, I'm kind of low on the totem pole here or I've never done this before. I don't even know how my budgeting process works. Um, giving them something to, again, be as useful as possible to them, uh, I think is important. Especially that's, I mean, that's especially true. You know, the company I work for now, we, we, we've kind of identified two quite clear buyer personas. You know, we've got the decision makers. You know, these are kind of like your CTOs, chief pro- CPOs, chief product officers, who are ultimately the ones who are signing the check, um, yeah. you know, because we sell, you know, multi-million dollar professional service products and solutions. Um, but then you've also got all the all the kind of influencers that work in that organization that we're targeting. They're actually on the ground using the tools day in, day out right. to make their job easier. And that's two different stories that we're telling that you know to the decision makers we're talking you know how is this gonna how is this gonna hit your your bottom line right how is this gonna save you money or make you money and then for the decision makers we're talking about how can you be quicker you know how can you tell stories faster um you know really dive into the product or the service that we're selling and you know how is this going to affect your day-to-day and you know overlooking those influences you do it at your own peril i would say i I mean i I love that point uh a thing that I think every business has to decide from a content perspective is I think what usually happens is content is the bottom up, right? You get the people using the product and kind of the a little lower on the org chart to love your brand, trust you, like find value in the stuff you do that they don't have to pay for, like content or like events or any other way you can make their life better. And then they become fans and then they explore your product and they become fans and then they advocate for it, you know, to the leadership. And the leadership should be like, I keep hearing about this crossbeam thing. Like, fine, I'll look at it, right? Uh, Meanwhile, (laughs) there's also like this more sales enablement side, which is top down, where it's how do the uh, enterprise sales team and the sales team that are meeting with the executives and the people who hold the budget at these places, how do they understand the value? And they both need to be happening at the same time. Like I, in my head, there's like some meeting that pops up where the staff's like, we need Crossbeam. And the VP's like, I just heard of it yesterday. Sure. You know, uh, I'm sure it's not that simple, but that's that's kind of the, the operation I, I want to have happen. Sean, this has been a great interview we covered a lot of ground and i really appreciate you taking the time uh, to run me through this campaign uh sean blander director of content at crossbeam thanks very much for appearing on b2b better of course this podcast is a great service so i hope everyone who's listened to this subscribe and that's it for this episode of b2b better a huge thank you again to sean for joining me today you can follow him on twitter at sean blander and check out some of the great content that he and his team produces over at www.crossbeam.com If you found this episode useful, go ahead and leave a rating or a review or just shoot me a DM on Twitter telling me so. I'd really like to hear from you. If you've got any questions or there's a burning topic that you'd like to hear me talk about on B2B Better, you can connect with me on Twitter at Jason R. Bradwell or on LinkedIn. See you next time.